All right, good morning to everybody. Larry Kruger, Guy Haberman with you, 9.05 on the West Coast. That means it's five minutes after noon back east. Hello, happy January the 17th. Happy division round week. And uh, I'll be down in Santa Clara, as will Guy, for 49er practice later on today. I was there yesterday. But first, let's stream. Let's talk a little, Niners. And, of course, I'm always brought to you by Pig and a Pickle. Uh, the best barbecue in Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. or until they run out. When I say until they run out, I really mean it because the real barbecue place will actually run out. So sometimes you show up at 7 o'clock and they are, they're out of brisket or they're out of pulled pork or whatever they're out of. And when it goes, it goes. But best barbecue you're going to find, check it out. We're also brought to you by Marin Auto Glass as well as Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy. Check the link in the description. Use that promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100. What's up, Guy? Good morning. Why don't you uh, shout out your sponsors, and and let's get this shindig on the road. (laughs) Larry, good morning. A Tito's Toast to you and a Tito's Toast uh, brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. ButcherBox. You can get free meat for a year from ButcherBox.com slash ham. Use the code ham. Prize picks. Code ham50. First deposit match. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. I didn't do well in prize picks this week, but all right, let's go. Um, I did pick the Packers to beat Dallas. And um, a lot of people said, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. Then I put out a tweet at the beginning of the game. I said, you know what? There's a lot of Niner fans right now that are probably sitting there going, I wish the Green Bay would knock off Dallas. And then by the end of the day, those same people are going to be like, I kind of wish Dallas had beaten Green Bay. Always the way it is. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and I can, you know, some years there's a wild card team that comes out of nowhere and shocks people and goes deep into the playoffs. Often, though, we see somebody look very, very impressive during wildcard weekend. And then, you know, the travel either gets to them or the fatigue gets to them or they suffered some injuries along the way. And they show up in that division round against the rested number one seed or in the past, the one or the two seed and just go up in flames in a big, bad way. And. Uh, it's interesting this, this year, because I think both the Texans and the Packers kind of fit the description of a team that could go deeper into the playoffs. And I very much fear green Bay. Um, and I'm not afraid to admit that, but, um, others are not in that category. They say, you know what? The Niners are going to womp them up and run up and down the field. And it's going to be very one-sided and Niners, 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 um, I think this is going to be the toughest game of the three for the 49ers. I think I think Green Bay is going to be tougher than Detroit. I do anticipate it will be Detroit. Um, and I think this this uh, Green Bay team very well could be tougher than who they play in the Super Bowl. Give me your your assessment of of uh, the wild card, you know, heroes last weekend, Houston and Green Bay. Well, you got to take first of all these football you have to take so seriously, right? It's not basketball where there's a seven game series. It's not baseball where there's a seven-game series, unless it's a five-game series, unless it's a one-game playoff. Uh, it's a one-game, winner-take-all, that's it. And so I always laugh when people are like, oh, you know, you, you you worry too much. You worry too much. It's like, yeah, I've watched football for more than seven minutes. Sometimes the better team loses. 
So I think you have to have that level of expectation with Green Bay that they can put up a fight if the Niners don't bring their A game. And I think the whole thing is predicated on if the Niners don't bring their A game. Um, you know, if the Niners play the Ravens, the game is not predicated on if the Niners don't bring their A game. Because they could bring their A game. But the Ravens could bring their A game. Now, I've told you I would pick the Niners in that spot, Larry. But what's wild about the NFC right now is there's nobody left who can beat the Niners A game. I'm not even sure they can beat the Niners B-plus game. And the beauty is the Niners are at home, and the beauty is the Niners have the rest advantage, plus another, right? We spent the whole year the Niners mostly had the rest disadvantage, with some exceptions, but they mostly had the rest disadvantage. This time around, they got an extra week, coming off a week that they didn't have to win, week 18. On top of that, Green Bay is playing themselves on a short week, back-to-back road games. Then, if the Niners win that game, they will again be playing with one more day of rest than their opponent. So there's a lot that's lined up here, but you still got to go play the game. It's a cliche for a reason. Um, I think Green Bay, you know, I, I I thought Kyle Shanahan said it well yesterday. You were there. He, he basically said, well, it's not a surprise once you dive back in and watch what Green Bay's done recently, right? He hadn't watched a lot of Green Bay. He hadn't had a lot of reason to until they beat Dallas. And he said, once you go back and start watching the way they've been playing, and I think it, you know, there's a direct correlation to, I was talking to a buddy of mine who covered the Cowboy Packer game. And he said, you know, the Packers offensive line didn't, those guys didn't miss games. Like if you go look, they all played the most snaps on that offense as offensive linemen do. But they were, they did feel, be, they were kind of beat up. And because I said, well, why are they running the ball? He's like, well, Jones is getting healthy. And their offensive line, if you look at the numbers, didn't miss time, but they feel like they've gotten healthy too. Um, so, that's the thing with them is just they're not going to – you can – we've watched Dallas in the playoffs. You don't assume they're bringing their A game. Uh, the Niners in the playoffs, under Kyle Shanahan, they mostly bring their A game. Baltimore does not, in a small sample size on Lamar Jackson, bring its postseason A game. Houston, no sample size on them, but home game brought their A game. Did play Baltimore week one and, you know – Actually, I thought played better than probably the final score made it look. Whatever the final score was, I don't remember. I think it was like 24 to 9 or something like that. But go look at the numbers. It's CJ Stroud. It was a good debut for him. Um, and I think, you know, for them, if they can play from ahead, then they got a shot. I Green Bay, it's gonna take a lot. And the thing at the top of that list is gonna be Brock Purdy interceptions. If Brock Purdy throws him, Green Bay has a, has a chance. If he doesn't, Green Bay does not have a chance. The Niners finish drives. Yeah, it's it's weird. There's a, I mean, I do understand that when Purdy's thrown picks, the Niners have lost. But I don't really worry that much about him in this game. I don't know why. I just feel like he's going to play well. Kyle Shanahan, when he was asked about Purdy, said he didn't really have a bye week. He's like, yeah. we really worked him hard in meetings, on the field, uh, practices. Um, he took a lot of the first-team reps going into that Rams game with Dar- – he shared the one reps with Darnold going into the Rams game. And I just think Brock's all about it. So it's like all about the preparation, all about the, you know, he he has stated many times this year, we'll see when this is all over. Well, guess what? In, in a lot of ways, that is you verbally upping the ante on a situation where there's already tremendous stakes. So I think he's going to be up to the task. But the question I would have for you or for anybody is 
what is the the Niners weak link? What is the Niners biggest concern? Um, is it Jake Moody? Is it special teams? Um, is it the run D? I'll say this. They better stop Aaron Jones. Um, you know, the Niners have had better run defenses statistically than the one they carry into this playoff game. Um, and now here's Aaron Jones and he's gone for over a hundred and four straight games. And he ran for three touchdowns on Sunday. He only had two rushing touchdowns in, in the regular season. Um, but he can run it and then you can fake it to him and you can throw it to him. And it just seems like Eric Armstead and a healthy Fred Warner and a, re a healthy Dre Greenlaw and a healthy and rested Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Um, that's probably going to be enough. But if there's one concern, it's that Green Bay uh, brings, a you know, Aaron Jones, a healthy Aaron Jones. I asked Bosey yesterday what he thought of the offensive tackles. He said, man, they'll get after you in the run game. So obviously he watched some film on them and, and feels like they're good run blockers. But um, that's that's the primary right there is is the run game because if they can take away Aaron Jones, then it's still a young quarterback with young weapons, and um, I'll take my chances. But that's a primary concern for me is the Niners' run D. How, how concerned are you about the Niners' ability to stop the run? What, what did, did Kyle – was that yesterday or earlier in the week that he said basically, yeah, Armstead – right now is on a path to play, but it seems like it's touch and go. Was that yesterday or two days ago we said that? Uh, that was not yesterday. Okay. So, you know, Armstead's a, a key to that whole thing. Um, I think the top three have to be run defense, rookie safety, or just join the team three weeks, three weeks ago safety, four right. weeks ago safety, right? Three weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, and Moody. Now, is this the game where if Jake Moody's not quite ready for prime time, it hurts you? Shouldn't be because you should finish drives and score touchdowns. But it's the playoffs. You know, the reason everybody talked about Robbie Gold is because he was perfect making field goals in the postseason. Well, we all knew he was perfect making field goals in the postseason because he had to make a bunch of big kicks in the postseason. It's usually the way it works. Um, might rain. You know, it's been on and off rain. Last I checked, supposed to rain. Uh, so uh, those those are the top. Those got to be the top three outside of the obvious, which is what I've said for months. And I'm not on a limb here, Larry. Injury is the only thing that should stop this team from winning a Super Bowl. And even then, Sam Darnold got to play the other day for a reason. I, I think it was a reason Sam Darnold was going to play that game, no matter what, whether Brock had a stinger history or recent stinger history or not. Like you got to get your backup quarterback reps before you play a postseason, the first one that you've played since your starting quarterback got knocked out of the NFC Championship game and his backup got knocked out of the NFC Championship game. But outside of that, none of the things you mentioned concern me uh, in terms of costing them the game this week. This week, only mistakes cost them this game. Uh, who would you rather rather play at safety between Logan Ryan and, and Jair Brown? You know, assuming they're both, healthy enough to play and the Niners literally have a choice mm -hmm. who would you rather play there give me the give me the young talented guy who's part of your future in a game where again this you know if this were the Super Bowl and it was Jair Brown coming back I'd go okay that's a different animal and obviously LaFleur these guys have a very good offensive plan but you know their plan 
And uh, I think it's time for Jair Brown. Like, he's going to need this experience one day or another. You're going to want him to play. In the, if he's the more talented player, which he is, you're going to want him to play in the NFC Championship game. You're going to want him to play in the Super Bowl. You're going to want him to be a safety for the next seven years on your team. You think he can be a pro bowler. So I think he's got to play. The other thing is. I agree. They both play. That's the, you know, like who starts, whatever. Like they're both playing. So I don't know that it really, does it really matter that much? But I, I'd roll with the guy that you're invested in. Um, I know, I think some would defer. I heard uh, Dante Whitner with Papa and Lund yesterday. He said he'd go with Logan Ryan. He'd go with the veteran guy. Big spot, playoff game. Rookie can kind of get manipulated. And maybe it's the one manipulation, the one mistake. You get a little over amped up because that's what happens when you play in the playoffs and you make the mistake that costs your team the game. But if this game comes down to one mistake by one person, then there's a lot of other, then, then it didn't come down to one mistake by one person. The only way this is a, a tie game with four minutes left, if it's a lot of mistakes have been made by a lot of people. I, you know, the one area that worries me a lot is the, the youth, of the of the Packers receivers and their relative speed and the fact that they're all young guys kind of coming on, getting better right now against the Niners secondary that, you know, Ambry Thomas has got just coming off a of right thumb surgery. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson's battled a quad. Jair Brown, with the sprained knee. Are the Niners young DBs and DBs overall going to be able to you know, hang, hang in coverage with some young, really talented re uh, receivers that all have youth and energy and effort on their side. I mean, um, you know, the Niners have a rest advantage and the Niners have an experience advantage. But when you're as young as Green Bay is, I kind of wonder, does it really even matter? And a home field advantage. Now, Green Bay did just play a game in Dallas where, you know, watching Dallas and then watching Detroit, a very stark contrast, Larry, in what home field advantage actually means in the postseason. Detroit had a home field advantage. Dallas played a home game. At no point did it feel like now, in fairness to their fans, they got behind early. But Dallas generally doesn't feel the same. Now it's a big place to go step on the field. So I was pretty impressed with the way Green Bay's young guys stepped up in that spot. They did not look like they were worried about it at all. They got this little, they got this good thing going right now. Their quarterback's young, their coaches you know, relatively young, but he's been in these spots. But the whole organization post Aaron Rodgers feels completely reborn and they had the slow start to the year. So they're, you know, that second half of the year, they really had to flip the switch and it's gravy. Ambry Thomas is young. D'Amador Lenore is young. Mooney Ward's in his prime. Jair Brown's young. So, you know, it's not like the Niners are a bunch of old guys. If you tell me it's Oliver and Verrett out there running around, which of course we know it can't be, maybe that's a little different story. But these guys are all in their athletic primes. Mooney Ward's in his athletic prime. He's never been better. Larry yeah. finally made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't see how that's an advantage for I mean, it's a legitimate to me observation about who they are, but I don't I don't think it's check mark box advantage Green Bay. It's an advantage for Green Bay just if you're trying to find somebody who could be good in the NFC for the next four or five years. But fast guys are fast when they're 26, too, you know. Where do the Niners have a clear, decided advantage, and who do you envision going off for the Niners? Kittle. Jake Ferguson did have 
three touchdowns last week, and and uh, Jair Alexander does almost a pop up. Yeah, does have an ankle injury, and and so I mean, you know, they they do have. To me, that is a spot right there. Their linebackers, I think, can be picked on. I think their safeties can be picked on. I agree with you. I think I think Kittle ha- is is primed for a big day. I mean, all these guys are always primed. That's the beauty of this team. Um, Ayuk, Debo, like they're always, you know, I, I was looking at the other day watching the, the Cowboy Packer game again, and there's a sequence early in the game where the Cowboys have a third down and eight. And I put it out on my uh, Instagram and it's in the YouTube shorts as well on, on, on our channel. But, uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb does what you're supposed to do. CeeDee Lamb's in the slot. Quay Walker, who's just a physical beast, is on him. And CD just points at him and looks at Dak, and Dak kind of nods, and they go at him, and they just miss the Dak gets pressure off the front side, and he just puts the throw out a little too far for CD. CD doesn't catch it, but you know, Larry, one of my favorite things is to celebrate defensive backs who celebrate all wins, right? So it means whether you got a PBU because you got your hand on the ball, or because uh, the guy just dropped the ball and you were within four feet. DBs, what do they do, Larry? Celebrate all wins, right? This, 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 right? That's what you should do on defense, especially on third and eight. Quay Walker, drop pass. Quay Walker does one of these. And this was not, all right, drop ball, good coverage by me. I undercut the route. This was, oh, no, I hope they don't do that again because that's a bad spot for me to be in. And the reality is all their linebackers are in a bad spot if they get lined up on Jennings, Ayuk, Debo, Juice, Kittle, name the guy, McCaffrey. The Niners have a very decisive advantage when it comes to being matched up on the Packers linebackers. They are not good coverage linebackers. They are talented players. Um, You know, you go look at like Fred Warner or Dre Greenlaw. Fred's given up an 80% reception rate, which is what those three linebackers give up. Dre's actually under 70. It's like 63%, but it's a high volume. He's given up a lot of catches. But they are top 15, both of them, pass-graded, pass-cover, or pass-coverage-graded linebackers. The Packers are not. The Packers linebackers give up yards. They give up efficiency. Um, and that's just not a position they want them to be in. So I, I think that is – that's on the list. I mean, we could talk about some other things. But to me, that's at the top of the list. They're going to end up in coverage, and it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I that that is a, a major advantage for the Niners. I mean, I really like Quay Walker. He's a great athlete, uh, but you're right. He's better coming forward than he is going backward, and if you make him cover, um, you're going to find that there's going to be openings there, and Devondre Campbell is a major, major liability in coverage. I also kind of think they can make plays against Jonathan Owens, uh, the safety from Houston, who you know, who's a, a decent player, but not a great, not the best coverage guy. So <clears throat> I, I think there's advantages in the middle of the field for, I expect Kittle to have a big day. I expect McCaffrey to have a really big day. Um, what do you think about the Niners move yesterday? They they uh, signed Austin Bryant and released Jeremy McNichols. Is Bryant, you think, going to be active on game day? And do you think... He takes Cleveland Farrell's spot uh, because Farrell's going to be out in this game. Is that is that what we should understand from that move? That's how I took it. I mean, what wh- what would be the other option? Cleveland Farrell plays a lot of snaps. They like him starting. 
49ers do a very good job with this type of player having him ready to play. Uh, they don't need the other running back. Um, so what? I mean, what's the alternative? Well, Am- I mean, is, it, is he insurance? Do you think it's? Do you think they're? Do you think he and Beal are both up, or do you think he's up instead of Beal? Has Beal been on the field? He got a sack in the last game against the Rams. That's why I ask. Because I think Beal. Sorry, has Beal been on the field? Not week eighteen. Uh, maybe one other week. I mean, right now they their edge rushers are Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, Robert Beal, and Austin Bryant. Those are the edge rushers. Do they do they keep up? You know, um, five five edge rushers. I mean, you may want to in a game like this. I mean, um, you know, I mean, I, I definitely like having a veteran like Bryant who knows your defense as an option for sure. Uh, first of all, uh, the other I thing love I was, Beal's speed. I, I give Beal some credit, Larry. Right, this time last year, Drake Jackson was not available to the 49ers. This time this year, Drake Jackson's not available to the 49ers. But this year, it's yeah. a different story. This year, it's because uh, he's hurt, had surgery. Last year, it was because he he wore down. This is where, and you go back and look at you know the way some of these teams draft, and they'll take you know two Georgia defense. You get two first rounders. You're taking who did that the other year? Was that Philly? They took uh, they took Nolan Smith and um, who was else Nolan Smith a first rounder? Yeah, he was. Yeah, so I, I think multiple teams have done it. This is it. when you draft a guy from Georgia, as Robert Beal is. You're drafting a guy that probably played 14 or 15 college football games the year before, right? And maybe did it the year before that too. Same with Alabama. Uh, SC did not, from that standpoint, we all thought, I thought, who cares about all the issues SC had? What Drake Jackson's here now. Well, this is an example of what, you know, how ready a guy can be when he plays the highest level of college football for a long time. Next year, when they go to a 12 team playoff, you know, have we talked? Have you, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. I've said it on my channel a few times. The college football playoff next year, get ready. It, you're going to be worn out. It starts before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, Larry, oh, I know. and it's, it's going to end teams. this coming weekend. Next year, the championship game is coming up the, like the same weekend as divisional football. So it's going to be a really long college football playoff. And, uh, you know, maybe Robert, Robert, there are going to be more guys like Robert Beal in theory. I guess not everyone's going to play all the way to the championship game. I would love if you told me Robert Beal is playing in this game, that would be a major win. For a guy who, and for a team, they took him in the fifth round. And I, I didn't think watching him in camp, he'd be quite ready to play this year. I didn't know if he'd be strong enough to play this year. Um, so, you know, in short, I don't, we'll go see practice today. I don't know the answer to your question. It's a good question. I'd love your answer. But I, I if Robert Beal's out there, if he's getting a snap in this game, I'd say that's a, that's a pretty big sign. And next year then becomes, not to jump ahead, but then next year becomes kind of like the Ronnie Bell, Danny Gray thing, like Drake Jackson. You're going to get back, you got to get back ahead of this guy then, right? I, I, I love Robert Beal as far as what I, I mean, I saw him, I was there that some, this summer when he dipped that left shoulder and beat Trent Williams around the corner and everybody kind of went, wow. You know, it was like nobody wanted to highlight that because Trent's like the leader on the team. But I mean, he whiffed on Robert Beal and it was just a glimpse. And then Beal missed a lot of practice this summer. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe he's one of these guys that just can't get on the field or, you know, his, his highlight play is awesome, but 
He really can't replicate it on any kind of reasonable uh, path. But I talked to him last week after the Ram game in the locker room, and just yeah. like he, he's a really solid kid. Um, you know, he's been Kaserik has been very glowing of what Beal has looked like in practice since the bye week and since he came back from the injury. And I just think he's building momentum as the season goes on. Um, and the the gifts that he has are just readily apparent. I mean, 6'4", 255, 260, sub 4'5 speed, real incredible flexibility for that height and that, that size and that weight, um, an unbelievable ability to close off the edge. And um, I'll, I'll, you know, in this scheme, if you're going to have a guy opposite Bosa, and you've got Hargrave and Armstead and Bosa as your other three guys. Just give me the guy who the 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 tackles got to be concerned with the speed rush, because that in and of itself will spread out this line, yeah. and you know put a lot of pressure. I mean, if you have a guy who can run like Beal opposite Bosa, that just puts a lot of pressure, lots and lots of pressure on the line because that tackle's got to really kick out to make sure he gets his hands on Beal so he doesn't have a beeline right to Jordan Love. And watching Jordan Love, you know, you know, I realize I'm older than some of you guys, so some of you guys didn't see Brett Favre. But a young Brett Favre would do exactly what Jordan Love does right now, which is he would take his drop, and then he wasn't like Purdy Mobile or like, or like a Russell Wilson or a Lamar. But he would just kept he just kept drifting back, drifting back, buying himself a little bit more time, a little bit more time, all while focusing on his eyes on the receivers down the field. I'm seeing the exact same thing with Jordan Love. It's not that he's does figure eights and it's not that he's Lamar or super dynamic as a runner, but he will take his drop and then he'll drift backwards. And even if he's throwing off his back foot. He uses that drift to kind of set up his timing mechanism. He can throw off without stepping into it off of one foot, um, and he can get rid of the ball, and that's how he buys more time. So to me, if you can if you can overwhelm him with some speed, I think that that kind of screws with his equation of that kind of drift. You know, the drop and drift is what is it seems like what he's really really good at right now so i'd love to see beal as uh, you know activated and and you know racing to get back there because i think he could really bother jordan love quite a bit well for all of the it's uh i said this the other day on my show so i don't want to rehash it for people that saw it but whatever it's the internet there's a lot of stuff on the internet i'll repeat it um this is part of brett Favre's legacy which has been off the field you know he's kind of become persona non grata and sure. a controversial figure. Um, well, actually, that happened while he was still playing, too. But um, his legacy is he, you know, there's a coaching tree. There's also, there is a quarterback tree at Green Bay. These guys didn't once uh, uh, succeed the other independent of one another. They sat behind each. Roger sat behind Aaron, or Roger sat behind Brett, learned a bunch of Brett stuff. And then Love sat behind Aaron and learned a bunch of Aaron stuff. It's clear. You can see it. Now, if we went and watched Jordan Love's Utah State tape, as I know you grinded through when he got drafted, and I watched as well before the draft, you see a guy with a skill set that would allow to take advantage of this type of tutoring, right? 
But I thought it was really interesting when I went into some of the somebody asked me how long does he take to throw? Love. And so I started digging into a lot of the PFF numbers. And it's it's pretty eye-opening how similar a lot of the numbers with him and Brock are. The percentage of their pressures that turn into sacks, Larry, is identical. So in terms of when there is pressure, not passing against pressure, but when there is pressure on you, how many times does it turn into a sack? It's an identical number. It's like, I, I got to pull it up. I think it's like 14.2% or whatever the number is. Um, and there are a lot of other things that make you go, well, yeah, they're, they are finally Green Bay is running the system they want to run, right? As, as Con and Nick Bosa said yesterday, um, when he said, oh, maybe Jordan Love's kind of doing what he's told more so than Aaron Rodgers was. And, uh, you know, I think it's a compliment. To, all of that is a compliment to Purdy. I think we in this universe around the Niners, and definitely just the NFL, Brock has been starting longer than Jordan Love has. Not much, but longer. That it feels like, in some ways, Jordan Love is the new kid on the block. But the reality is Jordan Love was the first-round pick. Jordan Love's been in the league. This is year three. Jordan Love is a year older than Brock. So when there are statistical similarities between the two of them, they're both good. It's a compliment to Brock. It's it's not a it's not a oh well maybe you know, I think some people take it as oh well maybe Jordan Love's just better. It's like well no, that's a first round pick, and he's you're getting the same production out of the guy you drafted last. And maybe he's better. Maybe Brock's better. I don't we'll, like we're we're gonna find out. We got time here to find out. But um, anyway, that you, this started with Robert Beal. I just. I, I think the matchup itself, Brock's team is very different. Their coaches are similar. Their situations are, there are some similarities in their situations, but they are not similar situations. And if all goes well for both of them, and given their coaches' history with quarterbacks, the arrow's pointing up on both of them, maybe this is the new NFC rivalry for the next eight years. Because guess who it isn't? It's not Philly. We thought it was going to be Philly. Right. It's not Dallas. We thought it was going to, I mean, the Dallas thing will always exist. We'll see if it's Seattle. If Seattle, if Seattle hires Mike Vrabel and gets a quarterback, it's Seattle again, you know, but this game has so much future in it as you know, the Packers are trying to shock the world. The, the Niners are trying to do what they have. It feels like is their birthright, but they have not quite figured out a way to do um, in 30 years, the there's also this big picture kind of, this is beautiful. Niners Packers is a beautiful thing. Do we have a guest coming into the show, Larry? Give me 30 seconds. My daughter's going back to college. I got to give her a kiss. Goodbye. Uh, 30. Larry's daughter is going back to college. I don't know which college. And Larry, it's 30 seconds for the goodbye. I guess it's not her freshman year because Larry would be driving her. For second semester, Larry? At uh, Cal Poly. Sorry about that. Yeah, she's been home. She's going back Cal to uh, back to Atlanta for grad school, oh. and she's flying later later today. Where she go to school? She goes to Emory. Wow, in Atlanta, which is a good school. Good you have school. smart kids, Larry. <laughs> Seriously, I, I I I don't know how. I don't know how, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, she's she's my oldest, and uh, she's fantastic. She's been home for six weeks or so. Came home almost like or late, right after Thanksgiving, and she's been home a lot. But now it's time for her to go back for her next semester. Mm. 
she's flying today, so I had to give her the kiss goodbye and the be safe. Be safe. <laughs> good to de- make good decisions. Good decisions. She's actually my you know, my kid that makes the best decisions. <laughs> so uh not that the others don't, Kev, if you're watching. Uh but uh but yeah, no. Anyway, thank you for giving me that little time out there. But yeah, I you're you were talking a little bit. We were talking about about Brock and 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 love and where the where the things at. The one thing that never surprises me, or always surprises me, and I never really anticipated, I should say, is how fast everything goes by. And I'm not getting uh, um, a moment because I just kissed my daughter on the cheek and said good luck at grad school. I'm really more, it's more about how quickly the NFL turns over. Like if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, and I think it was a familiar take that I had in July, it was like, hey man, for the for years to come, it's going to be the Niners and the Eagles for the next four or five years commandeering the NFC and nobody else is going to get in there. Because in July, that's what it looked like to me. But I thought Detroit was a couple years away, and even though the Packers are a good organization, I really was not considering them at all. Um, uh, you know, the, the Rams uh, don't have their quarterback of the future, even though I really like Les Snead. Uh, Seattle doesn't have their quarterback of the future. I just thought, you know what, the NFC is going to be the Niners and the Eagles, the Eagles and the Niners for the next three, four, five years. But you know what? It's just the football, the average football career is so short and the turnover is so fast and the injuries are such a factor that, you know, when the Niners were in the Super Bowl against the Ravens, I thought Bowman and Willis were going to dominate for years to come. I mean, they only had really a couple more years together and then it was all gone. And it just when you have your opportunities like the Niners have this opportunity where they went 12 and five. They're the number one seed in the conference. Uh, they had they had what the second best point differential to Dallas at plus one ninety three. Um, you know you've got your young quarterback, you've got your head coach, you've got your star left tackle, you've got all these pieces in place. You gotta make it happen, and that's what to me, if anything, watching the the wild card round, watching the young Texans, watching this young Packer team come of age in, in a big way. It just is a reminder that. Watching Detroit this weekend, that um, man, you better get it done because these teams are coming. Uh, Detroit's getting nothing but better. Green Bay's getting nothing but better, and there's probably a, a team that I'm not even looking at right now that is building momentum behind the scenes. But um, those two teams are going to be heard from as major players in the conference and uh, going forward. And you know, the Niners, by comparison have some age on their roster and it's go time. And, and so now here we are in the playoffs and you've got the upstart Packers and the upstart lions and their youth and their enthusiasm and their energy all bottled up. But then you got the Niners and they got the home field and they've got the rest and they've got a bunch, they got a room full of guys who have played in the playoffs and a room that has a bunch of guys that have played in the Super Bowl. So um, it's it's their moment. It's their well, moment, and they're going to have to take advantage of it right here. If they don't, anything short of a Super Bowl berth, I think, is going to be viewed as a major disappointment. And to be completely honest, they're in it to win it this year. Uh, and even if they get to that Super Bowl and fall short, it's going to be there's going to be some bitterness involved for sure. 
I mean, I don't want to belabor the point, but there is no scenario where they can lose before the Super Bowl and it's not a disaster. Right. Just and we feel like, oh, stop Super being Bowl. negative. Well, right, well, just tell tell me the scenario then where you're like, oh, okay, well, you know what? If golf's in his bag, nothing you can do. Like, no. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and then yeah, and then you get to the Super Bowl, and that's great. I mean, it's not great, but you got to go win the Super Bowl, right? Because it feel for for people who have said for a long back when Kyle Shanahan was under five hundred. You remember those days? They weren't that long ago. Yeah, as a career coach, I'm like, this guy's a Super Bowl coach, you know. And I've long looked at him, and the similarity gets brought up all the time to Andy Reid and Philly, and I think it's a pretty good similarity. The the difference with that similarity is that. Andy Reid did not get fired for not winning a Super Bowl. He got fired because they they got bad suddenly, um, but not because he was a bad coach. And uh, you know, I think if you watch him long enough, you go. I think there were there were questions about you know, can game management was always like, can Andy manage a game? The clock. Uh, that's why they don't win a championship. But um, it turned out he looked like a Super Bowl coach without a Super Bowl, and he won a Super Bowl. Now we got Mahomes, but the other way to look at it, be he unlocked Mahomes. Uh, or at least made more of Mahomes than anybody else could have. So now they're going to try and do it again, and he's going to have a shot to do it again. But Kyle just needs – Shanahan needs the one. Once you get the one, I don't want to say it takes the – it kind of takes the pressure off, right? You get the one – and the guys that get the one and get it early, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, they kind of become made men, right? Now, they also win a lot in addition to the one. Tomlin never loses, in fact. Peyton kept competing for NFC championships, but Kyle, he, like there's no question. If I told you Kyle Shanahan coaches 10 more years, 15 more years, 20 more years, does he have a playoff level team? Most of the time you would say, yes, he's going to have, a, yes, that's going to happen. But does he have the ring that goes with it? Does it, do they get kind of the Russell Wilson early ring, right? You go back and look at early Russ. You look at early Brady. Uh, they get their rings early. And I don't know if that takes the pressure off, to a degree that then you have more success, but it does just kind of take the pressure off a little bit more. And, you know, these guys have been trying to do it. And to me, since, since camp, they have looked like a team with one singular mission. And, you know, it looked for a little while, like maybe Philly would look that way, but they look like a team that's been close and gets hungrier, the closer they get. That's what they've looked like since the beginning. And they are that group. And I don't, you know, how many times can you step up to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning with the tying run at third, strike out, and come back hungrier the next year? I don't I, they, I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out for them. Because there's just no guarantee that you just keep coming back. Right. 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 I mean, the number one seed is hardly a given, especially with the turnover, especially with the injury factor, how quickly the careers come and go. Look how good they were this year, Larry, and and how late in the season it was until they were able to put themselves really into the one seed. And they were a really good team. They were better than a 12-5 and five football team this year. There were two other teams that were 12-5. and five. It's going to be really, really interesting to me to see how the forty, how both quarterbacks play. I was talking to Demo Lenore yesterday in the locker room, and we're talking a little bit about Jordan Love, and Love's amazing so far. the The run that he's in right now is amazing, right? He's got twenty one touchdowns and one pick in his past nine games. 
He had three touchdown passes against the Dallas Cowboys. It was his first playoff game. He had a perfect passer rating. Uh, Lenore said he's a great quarterback. He knows how to fit the ball in tight spaces. He has a good arm, and he trusts his receivers. Um, Yeah, I mean, Fred Warner said the way he's playing right now is really great. The things that you see showing up obviously learned under Aaron Rodgers some of the mannerisms and the way he's operating under center and in the gun. He's doing a great job. He's making the throws, making smart decisions, which is what you want most from that position from a young player. And so obviously it's going to be a huge challenge for us. Nick Bosa actually kind of made it sound like he is playing the position at a higher level than Aaron Rodgers, you know, was when the Niners played him. And I definitely think that, he, you know, part of being a great quarterback is having the courageousness to hold the ball long enough for your receivers to work themselves open down the field. And Rodgers may have been a little bit about self-preservation in some of the last couple of times the Niners have played him. I think the Niners beat him four times in the playoffs. And then there's Purdy. And I thought uh, our man uh, for ESPN.com, Nick Wagner, wrote, a, a very good piece on Purdy. It was an extensive piece. And one of the little anecdotes in this piece on ESPN.com is in Purdy's first preseason game, he threw a game-winning five-yard touchdown pass to the tight end Tanner Hudson against these same Packers. And then after the throw, he turned to the Niners' sidelines and he did the, the Aaron Rodgers patented celebration uh, while Rodgers was on the opposite sideline. Shanahan laughed about it. And Shanahan's quote was, I was like, dude, what are you doing? You're a rookie. You can't be doing that. What are you talking S to Aaron? He's like, no, dude, I have no idea what happened. I, I, I was just excited and out there playing. I, he has a, and then Kyle says he has a passion to him and a competitiveness and it's real. And I think he had that right when he got here. Um, how do you, is Brock Purdy, there's already people getting ready to announce that Brock Purdy, if the Niners fall short, is not the long-term answer, so on and so forth. He's not the guy, so on and so forth. Um, he'll be the reason they fall short. There's a lot of people laying in wait for Purdy to stumble here, but I just get the feeling that Purdy's going to thrive in his moment. What's your sense of it, guy? I mean, you've been watching this up close and from afar. What's your sense? We know love is an incredible rhythm. And part of the Niners task Saturday night is to somehow interrupt that rhythm somehow. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how to do it, but that has to happen. And then for Purdy, you're hoping that 21 days off that he can establish a first quarter rhythm right away, especially against the Green Bay team that almost guarantee is guaranteed to score some points. But what's your sense of of Purdy? Is, is he still playing for the job uh, or is the job his no matter what? Um, how do you expect him to play in these playoffs? This will be his second go round. He's already got two playoff wins. He's got more. He's got more playoff wins this moment than Lamar Jackson. In the real world, he's not playing for his job. In the real world, it's his job, meaning there's nothing that can happen in this postseason that keeps him from being the 49ers starting quarterback. There's no level of failure he can achieve that makes him not the starting quarterback this offseason. I don't think. In the world that we live in, <laughs> right? But but it's not just a 
YouTube podcast, radio, media bubble thing. Look at Josh. What is this? Josh Allen's sixth year in the NFL? Something like that. Yeah. Sixth year in the NFL. Do you remember two months ago, three months ago? When he was turning it over and people like, were like, I, I what the heck's know. wrong with this guy? I don't know. Lamar Jackson. I, Lamar Jackson is about to win his second MVP. He's still proof. We're still like, I don't know. Can he win in the playoffs? He's still proving it. So it never ends. If you play NFL quarterback, you are one of the most watched people in this country every week, truly by the numbers. It never ends. It does. So there's no, that's why I, it drove me nuts. Like when the Niners were five and L people going like, all right, that's it. I don't want to hear any more. And I'm pro Purdy. I don't want to hear any more debate. It's over. It's like, what? No, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's never over for guys until they're, until they're like, you know, all pro multiple Super Bowls, third contract. And then guess what? They get old and it starts up again. You're like, I don't know. Can Brady do it? So there's no over. There's like this idea that you reach the mountaintop of being uh, unquestioned. Nobody, everyone agrees. Everybody agrees that you can't be questioned. And it, 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 we never, you never reach that state. Look at Bill Belichick. Look at Bill Belichick, the greatest NFL coach in the history of the sport. I've had people this week tell me like, nah, you know, wouldn't He's be that done. bad. Wouldn't be that bad if he took the Cowboys job. Like he doesn't know offense, you know, like, okay, well let Bill take that job then. And let's, let's find out if the Cowboys get better or worse and how fast it happens or Philly. Right. John Calipari, once upon a time, not that long ago, top of the world he, at Kentucky. And they're talking about his job for years now. I don't know. He's doesn't, he's not safe anymore. So this idea that there's some level that in the next three games, Brock Purdy can reach whereby it ends any debate and conversation. And when I say that, let me be clear, legitimate debate and conversation, not all the bullshit, like, cause there's plenty of bullshit too, but it, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, we have a great example from this franchise. Not that long ago, at one point, Jaws Ron Jaworski said he could be the greatest quarterback of all time. And at the at that time, I was like, you know, <laughs> let's investigate. Jaws, welcome to the show. Let's talk about this, right? Not Jaws, you're an idiot. Because at the time, I was like, hey, we've never seen it. We've never quite seen We haven't seen anything like this. In a he long ran time. for 181 yards. Kaepernick ran for 181 yards in a playoff game. So, you know, uh, yes, in, in Kyle Shanahan's world, there's nothing that can happen. And part of it is I've watched enough of Brock to your original question. I'm pretty confident in him. I've seen him coming off quote unquote rest, came back from an off season elbow surgery, played in the, in the middle of the season last year. Um, Nick, I think it was, was it Nick that Wagner that also wrote the story about the Halloween party? Maybe that was the same story. I think so. Which was a month before Purdy got hurt in the dolphins game where Brock was telling Kittle and juice and these guys like, don't give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Right. Reminiscent of Kevin Millar, that famous clip of Kevin Millar with the Red Sox down three, nothing talking to the media during BP 
and he starts going through the list. I don't remember exactly how it was. You know what I'm talking about? Millar's yeah, we like, get this one. We got Shilling on this yeah, night. Then we, got gonna... on, then we got Petey in six. And don't right. let us get to game seven. Right? It was like, right, right. like, look out. We're about to be the first team to ever come back from 3-0. And they did it against the Yankees. Then they won the World Series. Um, So I feel good about Brock. I think you know what you're going to get from him. The, the question with any young quarterback is always, are you ever, will you get more? The question with Brock is not where is his... Who is he right now? The question is, will he turn into Breeze? Is that what he's going to become? When you got to pay him $35, $40, 50000000 million, will he be able to elevate the people around him? Those are the questions to me with Brock Purdy. The questions with Brock Purdy are not, can he win this team a Super Bowl this year? There is no doubt in my mind that he's good enough to help them win a Super Bowl this year. There's no question about it. So I'm not, I'm not concerned like, there's not, I didn't, and I consistent after the Ravens game, there was no referendum on Purdy for me. I, I think he's in good shape. I think he's got what it takes. Um, does it mean the debate ends? No, everybody always wants to end the debate. Like now it ends. It says who? You? No, sorry. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, but you the other keep thing, doing it. you got to keep doing it. Not to ramble. The, the other thing I want to mention, Larry, is yes, that is life consistent. You got to show up today and then tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day. And now you're a consistent person. You don't get to show up on time once and say, I'm an on-time person. Um, back to the article about Wagoner and that game-winning throw against the Packers in the preseason. It's so obvious sometimes, isn't it? When you go back and look at a clip, like, oh, I should have seen then what I see now. If you go back and watch the clip that's in that article, what you see now is, who's the first person to greet Purdy? It's in a hoodie and hat Fred Warner like running up to him before Purdy's off the field, low five, right? Like ready to chest bump him. And in hindsight, it's like, oh my God, here is Fred Warner. Usually you're checked out by that point in the game if you're a vet. Locked in on Brock Purdy's reps. The first guy to greet him on the sideline. And we know Fred is, Fred. what does Fred love to do? He loves to screw with the offense and the quarterback and Brandon Ayuk and get under people's skin and all that stuff. So in hindsight, the sign was there like this dude really believed in it. Oh, my God. Right. It's easy to see it now. At the time, you'd be like, oh, look at Fred helping out the young guy, giving him some confidence. But maybe that's not what it was. Maybe it was oh, Fred believes in this guy. Who that that kind of leads me to the question I have for you and for every person in the chat. And I would love to hear what people's answers. When did you see the genius of Brock Purdy? If you want to call it that, when did you see what it is, what he is? I mean, right now, this guy, um, you know, the resume includes leads the NFL and QBR um, set a franchise record for passing yards in a season with over 4,200 became the first Niner quarterback to throw for at least 30 touchdowns since 2001. Um, there were a lot of people that didn't see it early on um for me it was i i i i didn't see it on draft day because i watched a lot of iowa state and i just i remember kind of a smallish quarterback who did some good things but probably you know just didn't seem like he had the nfl build or arm strength or skill set um but my buddy is a scout and he sent me a video of his highlight reel and said, man, I've been, I've been into Ames and I've met this kid and I've done the deep dive 
and Krug, you need to do the deep dive mm. and I'll get you going. Here's the video. And just trust me when I say this, you know, I know football, you know, I know personnel. Um, this guy's legit. And he sent me that. So I had an advantage and I watched it all and I took it in. And so I had a good feeling going into minicamp uh, that rookie year that this kid was going to fire. And then he looked great in minicamp, but I still didn't want to say anything. I'm like, I'll wait till training camp. He looked good and he looked great in training camp, like mastering every single drill. And I was pretty sold right then and there. But I'm like, I got to see it in a game in the NFL with NFL speed and size. But that first game where he's working the play clock down to like one or two, mm. and I saw the competitiveness and the mental aptitude that is so strange because you just didn't see that. I mean, it's just such a rare thing. And Tim Ryan and I talked about it on the practice field. Next time I saw him, I'm like, did you see Purdy in that game? And he looked at me, I looked at him. He's like, the play clock? And I'm like, yeah, he worked that play clock down to like one. Um, that tells me he's all about the W. And he's got the, you know, while every other rookie quarterback is just trying to remember the plays and and just do the basics and they'll get to the QB 5.0 stuff later on. This guy had digested all of that to a level where he's like, you know what? I'm going, I'm, I'm playing for the win from the first second I step on the field. And that told me his, his, his brain and his processing was just so high level. I was completely sold after one preseason game that this guy was the guy. And I know Niner beat writers who've been covering this thing for 20 years that 24 hours before the cutdown were confident that this guy was going to get cut and waved. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not seeing this. When did you see Purdy's purdiness? Well, I, I'd like to tell you there was one moment, but I think it's a succession of things, right? Uh, the first was when they decided to keep him. That was the first signal. Paid the $3 million to say Sudfeld goodbye. Yep. Uh, I thought if you go back and I remember it very clearly – doing a live stream after the Dolphins game, doing a show after the Dolphins game, and not feeling like Brock was the guy, but being confident in Kyle Shanahan. So I, I felt like that was the first piece of the puzzle, was this guy was playing for Kyle and clearly had the, the skill set necessary to play for Kyle and the mental aptitude to play for Kyle. It's a lot, right? Quarterbacks, I've talked to them, they get loaded up during the week that's where the work really is. So when Kyle said yesterday we worked him hard or whatever he said, like it's the 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 mental effort it takes to prepare to run Kyle's offense on a Sunday is is high. It's very high. Um, I, the first time I thought there could be something here was the next week when he played Tampa, because Beat that was Tom Brady. It, well, it, it it was just so much hype. You know, every backup quarterback who's been in the league for a long time and has gotten a few shots has had moments has made a throw that looks like a Mahomes level throw or a Brady level throw or like all these guys are pretty good they can do it a few times you know the guys do it repeatedly are the guys that become the starters and a lot of these guys have a good game the the Cooper the uh not Cooper Cup uh what's what's the guy's name uh the other Cooper Rush the Cooper Rushes of the, the world, right? Like the Tommy DeVito is like these, the, the, 
history is littered with guys who had a game or a three-game stretch or made a throw that would end up on the all-time greatest throws list if you made an all-time greatest throws list. I have a, as a kid, I remember one of my favorite VHS tapes to watch was called the, it's called the 50 or the 100 greatest home runs in Major League Baseball history. Okay. I wore the hell out of this tape. And it, <laughs> and it wasn't just Bobby Thompson. Um, it wasn't just Joe Carter. It was like 82-year-old Luke Appling in the old-timers game hitting a home run. It was Dwayne Kuyper hitting the only home run of his career. The one right? home, home the run. The one homer. This is the list. Like, if you put together the list of the 100 greatest throws in NFL history, there'd be like a Carson Wentz throw in there. Or a, I don't even know who, right? There'd be some a Jeff Garcia throw. You go, oh, my God, that's not one of the 100 greatest quarterbacks. So I'm just giving you the idea of, like, my mindset going into that Tampa game was, all right, now we've got a week of hype, a week of pressure, a week of Brady, a week of all this stuff. What do you do now? Because it's one thing to react to a moment. It's another thing to sit in the pressure of it, start to realize what's going on around you, and then still perform. So I would say the Tampa game is when I thought, this guy's got just the ment- – maybe he's got the mental requirements from a toughness standpoint. Um, But I also think, Larry, that – and so credit to you because I you're right, like you've been saying it. If you're not going to have the physicality of, of Lamar or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or C.J. Stroud even, or even Jordan Love with his arm, right? If you watch one Jordan Love, I remember one Jordan Love drive last year was enough for me to go, oh, my God, look at this guy. Throw the football, right? Other people have to be about the body of work. Like if the consistency, if the accuracy, if the smarts, if the nuanced things are going to be your point of differentiation, 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 difference, your point of difference, your point of difference, if the nuance is going to be your point of difference, then it, then you got to do it for a long time, right? That was Breeze. Breeze was not watch one Breeze game and have it pop off the page. Right. But when you zoomed out, you know, this is kind of the argument for Frank Gore as a Hall of Famer. I was DMing with somebody about this the other day. Like, what do you think about Frank? Is he a compiler? And I said, yes, Frank Gore is a compiler. But he's a compiler at a position where nobody compiles because it's hard to play that long at running back. It's one thing to be a receiver compiler. Plenty of guys compile at receiver. Nobody compiles at running back, which in a weird way makes, you know, is the argument for Frank, use the argument against him for him, which was his longevity. and so I, I'd be lying if I told you there was a moment where I'm like, this is it. Because I, I think he's still proving it. But I do think to this point he's proven the aptitude uh, in terms of like just being able to execute NFL quickly, the pressure handling it, the accuracy handling it, the athleticism handling it, the leadership handling it. So he's he's checked like all these boxes other than now go do it in the playoffs. Go do it against the Ravens after they picked you off four times and said we have the answers to the Brock Purdy test, right? We got we got the answers to the Purdy test. That's basically what they said after the game. So go do it in Kyle those Van Noy. Yeah. Kyle Van Noy said, Hey, we got we have the we've got the script. And um let's talk about that for a second, because that was a bad day for Brock Purdy. Um what do you think if there if if Kyle Van Noy was right? And 
the Ravens showed the script of how to beat. They they provided the template of how to beat Brock Purdy. Um, then everybody else should just be able to copy that and and have success beating Brock Purdy. What did Baltimore do from your perspective that um, that gave the template of how to beat Brock Purdy? If if they did, if you accept what he's saying at face they value, they played from ahead. Or did they just, or did they just blitz off the edges, drop guys into the middle, and have a very uh, congested um, area in the windows that they anticipated his throws going? Yeah, I mean, think about the interceptions. The first interception, what was that? What happened there? Congested area in the window. That to me, no, he was, was late. Brock- Brock was late in the middle and never, I think he never really had a full account of, of where Hamilton was. You know, what, what was, well, yes. I mean, he said afterwards, wrong play for that, like wrong play for that defense, right? When Didn't you read the, the play, right coverage, Shanahan yeah, said he read the wrong coverage. Use check is out. Is the only guy on the right side of the field there. Basically. I think was Kittle on the right side of the field as well. I don't think so. I think Kittle was on the other side. So the only guy on Hamilton's side of the field was use check running a shallow route. Well, that's not holding Kyle Hamilton in the end zone with Debo coming across the middle. I'm no, you know, I'm not QB guy, so I'm I'm not pretending to be. But you're not JTO. I'm not JTO. But go look at the play, you know, because one of the things that basically came out of that afterwards was he's an anticipatory anticipatory thrower, so we get to the spots. But if you look at the Debo interception, it was a throw in which he didn't throw with anticipation. It was a rare Brock waited for Debo to be open before he threw the football. Which is not the way he plays. And Brock, Debo was actually open. Debo was just open the whole way. Okay. Tipped ball. And he led him too much. Let's be honest. He led him into the defender, yeah. which he rarely does. He usually, he should, he could have put that on his pads. Instead, he led him to a spot where Hamilton basically had the ability to jump, jump the route. The, the point is multiple things went wrong. Multiple things went wrong on that play that don't normally go wrong for them. Okay. Uh, interception deflected at the line of scrimmage. All right. That actually, I give the Ravens more credit on that interception than, than some people do. Cause I think they anticipated what they anticipated, what was happening. Pressure coming off both edges. It was good coaching. It was, it was, it yes. was knowing your opponent's credit. tendencies. Interception on the free play for the defense. Awful. Bad, deflected ball, but bad decision. Awful decision. Right. Okay. Great defensive play by Stevens off the edge. Yeah. So batted it. What was the, the lucky fourth? part was he batted it right to Humphrey. Um, that What's was the fourth the, interception I'm missing. Well, it was. The, wasn't it in the middle of the field, late to Kittle? Wasn't that it? Um, or am I am I confusing three and four? That was three. I used to have a list of all four of these. Uh, but whatever four was, I put in the category of a little fluky. I remember that much. Um, and then he had the incomplete pass over the middle. Uh, to uh, a Willie Sneed that hit the defensive back in the face where Willie, which is credit to the credit to everybody on that play. I think they got pressure on him too, but Willie got kind of caught up trying to get out of his break. You know, if that's Juwan Jennings, maybe it's different. So, yeah, I mean, this is a game. of ch- This is not checkers. This is chess. They made some moves. It's time for it. Hopefully they'll get to the Super Bowl. Maybe it'll be the Ravens. If it happens, It'll be time for Brock to make moves back. It'll be time for Kyle to make moves back. Like that's a good football. Like you, 
These are great players and great coaches and great teams. So if the, the question top is of the sport, it's the pinnacle of the sport. The, Everybody's striving pinnacle, for the ring. It's the pinnacle of human competition. So, yeah, they, they, they did some things. Their defensive coordinator, good coach. Right, well, Kyle, you're a good coach. And and oh. and I, I thought I thought the Ravens, you know, also it's about personnel. I now, granted, I, I'm I see things through a personnel lens, but to me, it's not about the X's and O's at this level, really. It's about the players. And if you looked at you know Green, if you looked at uh, Baltimore in the middle of the field, look what they had: Kyle Hamilton. Uh, they made Darby play the outside corner. They put Humphrey inside. So now they got a really good cover guy inside. Look at Queen. Look at Roquan, two of the best inside defenders in all of football. They have really, really, really good defenders in the middle of the field. And they had a great plan. They made, you know, they anticipated what windows he would throw in. They clouded those windows. They closed down the space. Um, and they won the game. And they got a couple of lucky tips um, that were fortunate on their on their part. And still, the 49ers kind of dominated that game statistically and still found a way to to lose it because of the turnovers. Um, I felt, Larry, one other thing on that game. I felt there were a lot of Brock positives out of that game, all things considered. He kept coming back. He kept, he kept coming attacking. back. He kept attacking. Made big throws, gutty throws. I thought that showed a lot. What do you think of Greg Khan's comment here? Brock Purdy is a rare processor. I kind of agree with it. I think he processes what he sees at a high level, pre-snap and post-snap. Well, if you don't feel like you got to fool him, if you don't have a rare arm, you have to be a rare processor, right? Yeah. So I think the evidence is probably pretty good that he is a rare processor. Um. Now, since here said this is a great collab. Not sure why you persist with Grant Krug. <laughs> why is everybody's gonna, everybody's always gonna take a shot at Grant? Uh, well, let's see. Grant's Grant Grant's got how many? His numbers are what? Yeah, he's got seventy five thousand subs. Maybe that's it. But God, let's I'm, pro, I'm Grant pro alone. Grant. I'm pro yeah. Grant. We are. I am too. Um, by the way, we have over almost uh, you know over a thousand, roughly a thousand sixty people in the room right now. Uh, so if you're in there, hit like and subscribe. If you hit like, maybe we'll push this thing to twelve hundred on both um, channels. On both channels. That's right. And. Uh, and hit subscribe and hit that notification bell. And every time Guy or I go live, you can be uh, alerted that we are going live. Yeah, you do you not need to be there. The, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to miss. You don't get alerted. You don't want to miss that alert. Uh, it's not like a shock or anything. Um, <laughs> Google. Not yet. Grant is a clown. McCrew loves him. We all have that friend. Oh, come on. Um, he's a, he's a he's a good guy. Deep down, he's a good guy. Um, <laughs> deep down, I love you to say deep down. Well, I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know him, and so no, it's I, like I, they I they only catch the act, and you know, it's like saying there's a lot of people that think that Skip Bayless is a bad guy. Skip Bayless is a great guy, um, but he he's he's just a he's a performer, as Gary Radnich used to say, he's a radio performer. Uh, well, he now he's a television performer, or in this case, in our case, we're YouTube performers. Um, a couple things, and I want you want to do some picks with you. Let me hit some of the comments here. We got this one from Bobby L. Good afternoon, Larry and Guy from the East Coast. What's up, Bobby L? I did a radio show today in D.C. I wanted to talk a lot about Bobby Slowick, maybe becoming the next head coach, and obviously oh. a lot about Adam Peters. 
I didn't know Doug Hendrickson, my good buddy Doug Hendrickson, is Adam Peters' agent. How about that? I didn't know that either. I saw him. Uh, what's is he Jed? Is he a Jed Fish? Is he Jed Fish's agent? He could be. He's Najee Harris's agent. Um, he's Cros- agent Crosby. Many many players. No, a lot of players, a lot of coaches. Doug's a good guy. Uh, Tara Lynn Love says she has become a YouTube member. I like the jersey. Yeah, I saw that join button. So I get five bucks and I get to the Larry's channel and I get like badges. That's right. And you'll get uh, Kev releases some of our videos to our to our club members sooner. So you get the content before everybody. I got to do that. And once we get into draft season and I start to go with my favorite draft, this and that, uh, some of that stuff, you'll get quite a bit sooner than some of the non members. We appreciate Mm. all of our all of our members. We've got this one from Jerry Schetzel. He says, it's our birthright. That's a great statement. Purdy has pulled the sword from stone. He's the prince that was promised. That was promised. The path has been laid out. It's our time. You guys are the best. Thank you. Almost biblical. <laughs> kind of a biblical reference there. Uh, Eric Dane says, Jordan loves first nine games, 14 touchdowns, 10 picks. Last nine games, 22 touchdowns, one pick. For all the haters who said Trey Lance was a bust yes. after four starts, yes. it seems sometimes quarterbacks improve when they play. Who knew? Yes. We're going to talk about Trey today? <laughs> all right. We won't do it. Trey. Trey's coming back. Um, watched, this is not I a super practice. Yeah. Steve Cass says the fact Brock comes in on his off day shows how he doesn't take things for granted. Brock works at his craft. There's a reason he has great footwork. This is not like um, there's not optional days. No days, no days off. The the bye week is not vacation week. <laughs> right. Matthew Sanders says, how does Wilkes force young uh, Green Bay uh, and love into errors? That's a great question. Why don't we hit that? What do you what do you think from Matthew Sanders? If you're Wilkes, what wrinkles does he have that can disrupt Jordan Love's amazing rhythm and force a young group of Packer receivers and tight ends into some uncharacteristic mistakes. The mistakes that they obviously haven't been making recently didn't make last week against Dallas. What do you think, guy? You know, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if it's blitzing him. Uh, I mean, it seems like that's that would be a bad idea because it's given him kind of defined reads. Uh, by blitzing him and, and taking his ability to or taking his need to read kind of out of the equation. I think he does a pretty solid job against the blitz. So I, I can pull it up. Um, and I think they do a solid job against the blitz. <clears throat> I'll check the numbers, but I I, I seem I think he's like uh, I don't want to get it wrong. I think he's like 65% against the blitz, which could be, which sounds wrong now that I say it out loud, but uh I think he has stopped the run. Like you said earlier, but I don't know that there's anything other than I, I think if you cover against him, put them in third and longs. Um, you got to play a coordinated defense. So your your rush, your 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 coverage has to be tied to your rush. So if you're going to speed him up, like if you're going to give him a blitz look, a pre-snap blitz look, then you have to understand where he's how he's going to react to that and and play on time a coordinated timing situation. So if you speed them up up front, you got to, you can't play a loose coverage and speed up the quarterback. 
That just makes him get rid of the ball to a wide-open guy underneath. You've got to have a coordinated coverage unit that's tied to your rush plan. Jordan Love is uh, PFF. 64% uh, when not blitzed. 65% when blitzed. Completion right. percentage this year. That's a 12 very touchdowns, one interception when blitzed. Um, now, when he's under Blitzing pressure, young quarterbacks just gives them defined reads and makes them not have to read a lot. They know they can just react when they see blitz, and they oftentimes will throw in behind it. So those are good I'm, I'm numbers. Tell you, I'm going to tell you where that ranks here real quick. It's got to be high. Uh, yeah, let me filter out Tyson Badgett and uh, Nick Mullins. Number one against the Blitz, Dak Prescott, 68.7. Number two against the Blitz, Brock Purdy, 68%. Number three, Mahomes. Number four, Stroud. Number five, Tua. Number six, Jordan Love, 65.3% against the Blitz. So the number sounded good, and then when you look at it relative to the other quarterbacks in the league, it's excellent. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, 63%. Lamar, 63 Who's on the bottom of that list? Who's who's terrible against the Blitz? So I filtered it to only down to 22 quarterbacks to make sure we get all the backups out. Bryce Young, 49.7. Mm. Trevor Lawrence, 55.6. Yeah. Fields, Minshew, Stafford. Howell, Geno, Baker. Baker, 61% against the Blitz this year. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that will be interesting to see if uh, Detroit brings the house. Larry, Trevor Lawrence, four touchdowns, six interceptions against the Blitz. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, you know, the 49ers obviously Ooh. blitzed him. If you look at that Jacksonville game, they sent extra guys and sped him up and, and you know, took away. His first read was he wanted to go to Evan Ingram a lot. The Niners understood that and went away from it and, and basically forced him into set his second read and blitzed him of this group home. of this group of like filtered down to 22 quarterbacks, most interceptions against the blitz. You want to take a guess? Mm, Derek it'll Carr? make, it'll make sense. Jalen hurts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Brock against the blitz. Most touchdowns in the league against the blitz. Brock Purdy, 15. Brock Purdy is the young is the, is the, is the youngest quarterback that you can't blitz in a while that I, you know, I mean, like you really can't blitz him. Um, and, and we had uh, Genghis Khan in here saying he's a rare processor. I remember this off season, John and I Spot interviewed on. Kyle use And I said, Kyle, what are guys going to, what defensive coordinators are going to study all this Brock tape? What are they going to do next? And he said, well, I'm not sure. Cause they already tried to blitz him last year. He did well against it. He already answered that bell. So what are they going to do next? We'll find out. And the answer was, yeah, nothing really. <laughs> like drop, nothing effective. Rush three, drop eight, okay. try to try to anticipate the windows. I think the Ravens did have a good plan. I mean, you know, if the Niners go with condensed formations, blitz corners off the edge who have a lot of speed and can get, and can get home, speed him up that way, make him make quick decisions in the middle of the field quicker than he wants to. And then and then pack the middle of the field with all kinds of extra bodies and play the odds. I mean, that's you know, and then and have guys who are reading the quarterback's eyes and breaking on the ball. Um, 
if the Niners, I'll tell you, if the Niners had one more weapon that was that was electric fast and they had that counter, I'd feel even better about their chances. Yeah. Um, because they 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 have so many physical in the middle of the in the middle of the field starring type receivers, but do they they don't have that one electric speed guy that just makes you go, wait a second. Um you know, here's the other thing. There's an interesting article that I want to get your thoughts on too. The you know the the 49ers have a significant um, playoff experience advantage. Packers are one of the youngest offenses in the NFL, um, and the Niners obviously have that have home field and they have got the experience advantage and they're nine and a half point favorites. Um, but penalties. And there's an interesting article up on penalties. That penalties could be the biggest factor in this game. And the numbers kind of back it up. It says during the regular season, the Niners and the Packers were both bottom 20 teams when it came to penalties. Niners averaged 5.9 a game, which was 21st in the NFL. Green Bay averaged 6.2 a game. That was good for 25th in the NFL. The NFL announced the officiating crews and Alex Kemp's crew gets the Niner game. Kemp's crew has thrown 214 penalties in 17 games this year, averaging 12.6 a game. That's the most of any crew officiating in the playoffs. That's so get ready for some penalty flags here. It says, in fact, Kemp has, has reffed. Um, he reffed the Niners week one game where they were penalized 11 times for 85 yards and the week 13 game against Philly when they were flagged five times for 47 yards with one penalty being declined. Uh, the Packers ended the regular season on a high note, averaging just 3.7 penalties over their last three games. They were flagged seven times, though, last week against uh, Dallas for 66 yards. The Niners averaged six penalties for 66 yards over their last three regular season games. Um penalties do you think that do you think that this is the how how concerning is it for you that this could be that there could be quite a few flags if uh the numbers hold true and alex kemp's crew does what they normally do i don't think about it at all non-factor we just don't know where where they're going to come and what who they're going to be on yeah i mean the fact that it could be a heavily officiated game As far as, my, I guess my concern would be this. Green Bay's got an assortment of weapons, and there's some good, a lot of them have pretty good speed. Um, do you get a lot of defensive holds that extend drives? We've that got, you know, this, this team has had, in San Francisco, this team has had defensive backs for several years now that can be put in disadvantageous situations, right? That can commit, have to, Ambry Thomas, it's gotten better. Credit to Steve Wilkes, but he can be in a spot. Uh, Mooney Ward gets physical. The Their safeties hit a lot. Dre Greenlaw, is he going to throw somebody to the turf? He's feeling good right now, right? He's had two and a half weeks off, basically. He's going to be fresh. They gave he didn't practice off. yesterday, but I, I think know. it was more precautionary. Well, Kyle said it was just because they pushed him hard the day before, and they'll push him hard again today. So... You know, Spencer Burford, we got, you want to chalk up a holding call now, right? Like, you know what? This team does not, I'm going to jinx them now, knock on wood, delay of games. They avoid Brock. Avoid, they avoid. These are not your Harbaugh Niners. These are not your 
illegal formation on the first snap of the Super Bowl, Harbaugh Niners. Um, which I don't you remember they had they Michigan did the same thing against uh Alabama early in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> illegal form. I think on the first like the first series, it actually saved them because the quarterback almost threw an interception, threw it out of bounds. But I don't know, man. Like this is where home field, I guess, matters. If we look at the numbers, teams tend to get a few more penalties on the road than they get at home. Noise, Levi's, I would imagine, will be louder for Jordan Love than it was in Dallas. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think about it at all, Larry. And I will not think about it again until the game starts. And something will happen. I'm not mocking you. Something will happen in this game because it happens in every game. Right. That you go, what? Bosa got held, or no, he didn't, or that face mask on McCaffrey they missed, or that's not a late hit. The way they officiate these hits on the quarterback is ridiculous, right? Like the hit that Stafford took last week versus some of the hits that some of these other guys take that do get flagged. Um, or is there going to be an emphasis this week on sliding quarterbacks after the Josh Allen touchdown run the other day? Are they going to make an effort? You know, are defensive players like I would imagine Steve Wilkes this week and every defensive coordinator showed his defensive players that Josh Allen touchdown run the other day and then showed the Pittsburgh defense getting flagged for hitting Josh Allen while he was sliding and went, all right, guys, what are we going to do? Because this is a nightmare scenario for a defensive player. The quarterback starts to stutter step in the open field. You stop hit. You you go to not hit him. Same thing happened in the Chiefs game. Remember? I think the Mahomes score a touchdown. He's coming around the right edge. Defender kind of tries. Dolphins, I don't know, linebacker, DB goes to push him because he kind of thought he was going to go down. He didn't. He just kept running. So that's a point of emphasis for the coaches this week. For all eight of these defensive coordinators this week, that's got to be a major point of emphasis. And it's going to be, I would imagine, the officials are very aware of it too this week. I have to throw this one up there. Greg and Brandy Geltzer. Has anyone kept a spreadsheet of what Larry is concerned about? <laughs> you know, I always laugh about that is like, oh, well, you're too negative. All right. Tell you what. Let's go listen to Kyle Shanahan for a week. And let's hear what Kyle's doing. Is he pointing out a bunch of things that they could do wrong or a bunch of things they could do right? Or is it both? It's both. It's all of the things, right? <laughs> like, I heard him. I thought he gave a really good answer yesterday. Somebody asked him about, maybe it was Branch asked him about his pregame talks, and he's like, "I don't have a, I don't have a big fire and brimstone talk." He said, "No, but I, I love hearing about people's process." And he explained on Saturdays he gets to the hotel early, he watches all the snaps, offense, defense, special teams from the last game of his team. All then the snaps. I, then I have the a opponent. complaint, and I might. He goes, I may have a lot of complaints or something like that, or I may, I may take a lot of issue. I well, may have, they'll make a cut up. They'll right. make cut ups. He's like, it might be a few plays. It might be a hundred plays. Right, right. Of <laughs> things I want our guys to remember about what we. You know, it might be like, hey, Dre, look, look how fast you're playing. Right. I think it's stuff like that. I think it's it's, it's a fine tooth comb physicality. Fine, yeah, but it's. I don't think it's warnings so much as it is like. Here's where we're turn. Remember, fellas, this is what we look at. Well, this is what we look like when we're at our best, right? And then he'll take the other team. Here's some reminders. Don't forget, quarterback might fake slide, right? Things like that. Um, they hit it all. They hit yeah. it all. They hit it all. So, Larry, it's not well, negative. That, it's just yeah. Well, no, I always this reference. Is, this is me, though. I mean, this is what this is the way I go through it. I, I you know, 
when I worked in pro ball, I was a quality control coach. My job was to put together the game plans and then just take notes and bring up every possible angle that could help us win um, by pointing out how we could lose. We could lose here and we could lose on this and we could lose on that. And this is a, this is where they have an advantage. And just so everybody was cognizant of where we needed to get better or where we were fallible or where we were vulnerable. And so all I'm doing when I'm suggesting all these things about how good Luke Musgrave is and how good Tucker Craft is and how good these young receivers are is just trying to show that there's every team's got like four tight ends. But their number two tight end is oftentimes not very good, and their number three tight end's even worse. Green Bay's got two future Pro Bowl tight ends. You know, their backup receivers are starting caliber backup receivers. They're just all babies. They're all really young. So, um, and so that's it. I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, and then I'm just trying to kind of show people where I see the Niners having some potential where they're potentially um, in danger or where they're potentially um, going to be compromised or, you know, that's the way I look at it. I mean, give you an example, like these receivers that, that Green Bay has, you know, anybody can just name them. But when you look at them closely, you can see that Christian Watson's the vertical guy. And if you watch enough of their film, you see Jaden Reed is the guy that they put in motion a ton. And if you watch all their film, you can see that Dobbs is kind of their most complete receiver, uh, but he's kind of an intermediate receiver, and he's oftentimes their boundary X receiver. Uh, that Wicks is their big physical receiver that you got to get up on because he will run the short route, but he's so big and so physical that you got to challenge him. That Melton is super shifty, and that that you got to give him proper space and then you got to, he's not big though. So you got to get up and really hit him. So, I mean, you got to scout the personnel individually and then collectively see what they're trying to do. If you're really, you know, intent on beating a team, um, a couple more supers and I got to get one thousand thought from you and then we'll go. Daza says, Oh, Daza. Oh, one eight, seven. I hope if the Niners get a lead on green Bay, they put them away too often. They've let teams hang around and it makes it a game. I agree. Got to step on the, you got to go for the jugular. You got to step on their throat. Daza says, shut down Aaron Jones, pressure with four, and put Mooney on Dobbs. Yeah, uh, I, I like that plan too. Um, there's no question that the one thing with Green Bay is LaFleur wants to run the ball, and they use a lot of motion. They use a lot of motion across the formation. Jones is hot. He's got four straight 100-yard games. Um Loves really good pre-snap. He's digesting what he's seeing mentally at a real high level, and he's become more precise. But, yeah, take away Jones and make him go through his progressions. I think that's definitely a plan. Um, and then we've got this one. who's not a super, but Jensen H. is Larry, why are you confident in the Niners beating the Ravens in a rematch? I think we can beat them, but it can't be an easy game. We need to run the ball on them. Well, just look at that box score. I think the Niners ran the ball well. I think I don't believe in their weapons. I think Lamar made some incredible plays in that game. 
I think obviously the the Niners drove the football pretty consistently, but they turned it over. And a couple of those turnovers were fluky. So let's say they get two turnovers against Brock and not four. Um, and a couple of those balls land on the turf uh, on the surface and, and, and they're, it's instead of four zero, it's, it's two, two turnovers. I think the Niners probably win the game. Um, you know, so, and also I just don't believe in, in the Ravens, uh, weapons outside of flowers and you got hurt, you know, the tight end that's been hurt all year. Um, I don't love their runners at all. Mark Andrews Uh, back, right? Mark Andrews is back, but I mean, how good is he going to be? I don't know. All right. Um, do you make picks? Have you made picks? Do you want to stay away picks. from making picks? No, I don't care. I, okay, I have, well, I've had a lot of liquid today, so if we could make picks in an expedious, yeah, we'll do this. We'll do this real quick. Manner, we'll jet out. We got one last one from Bomber T. He says the NFL is going to fix it for the Chiefs. The Taylor Swift thing has them seeing dollar signs. All right, all right. Let's go to the picks. What do you think, guy? I would love, um, Niners, we'll, Chiefs. We'll, I would love Niners Chiefs, by the way. What do you think, Texans Ravens? I like tech. I like the Texans to beat the Ravens. I definitely like the Texans in the nine. I like the Ravens to win this game. Key factor. Uh, I've not looked at the weather for Baltimore. I would imagine it's different than being at home in Houston. It's twenty-eight degrees right now. <laughs> I think they're. I think they're a really good team. I know Lamar has had the postseason issues. D'Amico's good. C.J. Stroud's good. Sometimes this happens, but I think this is Baltimore's year to go to, go to the AFC Championship game. I'm not convinced they're going to win the AFC, but I do think they win this week. Bucks Lions. I'm going Lions. Um, uh, I feel I feel that the Lions will win this thing by at least ten. Uh, I like the uh, Lions to win, but I actually like the Bucks to cover seven. Okay. Bills Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs in Buffalo. Um, I don't believe you know, bomber T that they want. It's about, it's not about Taylor Swift. I think it's about Mahomes and Reed and Rashi rice and Pacheco and, and the chiefs defense and B- Buffalo. Also, if you look at that last game, number of guys got hurt. A couple guys got, got knocked out and won't be available in this game. I Kansas city on the road. Uh, I also like Kansas city on the road, but uh, I don't feel as good about it as you do, because I think there are only a handful of guys that can go toe to toe with Mahomes. Buffalo has one of those guys. I think them being at home is a big factor this week. It's uh, Rasheed Rice is going to have to have a good game for Kansas City because he looks like maybe he is um, he is their answer if there's such a thing at receiver for them this year. But you know, like their defense, love their quarterback, love their coach. No, and I feel a little better about it. I like Kansas City. Niners are nine point favorites. The over under is 50 and a half. I like the Niners to win, but I don't like them to cover that nine. I like the Packers and the points for sure. Um, but I definitely think the Niners get the win. I wouldn't, I would not bet this game, but I, if you're asking me, I do like the Niners to cover nine and a half actually. Um, and I like them to win. When are you streaming again, man? What's uh, what's your day like? Obviously, you're going to be down in Santa Clara, well, but when do you go again? Do you go with John gonna, later today? Or No, I'm going to go on with Damon here in like 20 minutes, and then oh, I'm going nice. to hop in the car and get down to uh, Santa Clara and uh, spend the day down there. And then um, uh, I may do something tomorrow morning, but I'm not sure. Depends if I – I got to do some research dive, see if I have anything good to say. Thanks to uh, Pig in a Pickle, uh, Marin Autoglass, and thanks to both Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy. 
I'll be in Santa Clara the rest of the day tonight at around six, six thirty. Kevin and I will do our call in show until then. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you